0: To show you why I'm going to preach what I do today, I'll read something for you first that I clipped from the Oregonian yesterday. I'll read it all, but excerpts from it. It was on the what we used to call the church page. This Now they call it religion slash television. Two pages it had yesterday, one for church and one for television. But the main article on the religious side of the paper was quite an eye-opener. It's religion page, or else it maybe should be called non-religion page, I think. The headline, noble, and quotes, noble lie, an untruth. Noble lie needed to link morality to facts. This man, whose name is Loyal D. Rue. He's a professor in a Lutheran school in, uh, in I've got it written, Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. So he's a knowledgeable man, a professor of religion and philosophy. He says this, the myths in the Bible, I won't read the whole thing, I'll read, just skip the points of it. The myths, he said, include archaic views of the universe. We need some new, new myths or new lies to join our religion with reality. That's what he's talking about. And he says the myths, the old ones, he said, include archaic views of the universe, a presumption that humans are at the center of existence, and stories of Jesus' resurrection and of Moses bringing God's Ten Commandments down from a mountain. Dispel these myths of religion, he said, and all that is left is nihilism, which considers life and the universe meaningless. True enough there. He goes ahead, this is what the article continues, he's a church going but skeptical Lutheran. Rue suggests that we start all over and create a new myth, a quote, noble lie, close the quote, that squares with what is known scientifically. something Something that is convincing though it may not be factual. What would that lie be? He doesn't specify. Quote, it remains for the artist's the poets, the novelists, the musicians, the filmmakers, the tricksters, and the masters of illusion to winch us forward, to winch us forward toward our salvation by seducing us into an embrace with a noble lie. He told this to the scientific meeting in Washington D.C. Skip one paragraph, here's the next one. What I mean by the noble lie is one that deceives us, tricks us, compels us beyond self-interest, beyond ego, beyond family, nation, race, that will deceive us into the view that our moral discourse must serve the interest not only of ourselves and each other, but those of the earth as well. He, of course, says that all of the myths so-called plain teachings of the Bible such as the resurrection the ten commandments and he of course would include if he had time the garden of Eden salvation by faith one person dying for another dying for our sins oh yes they wouldn't believe that sin is real all these are things that the human family has to fight against according to our new age religion and also to old timers as far as that's concerned of varying degrees of unbelief. So there's why I'm going to preach what I'm going to preach this morning. St. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. A few verses before that I read, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Amen. Jesus' word. In my Father's house are many mansions, myth or fact. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He arose from the grave, vindicating every statement he ever made, Fulfilling prophecy, he rose again, ascended to heaven, sits now at the right hand of God, interceding for us, not a myth, a fact of God's own design. And a plan fulfilled in Jesus Christ when he died on Calvary, rose from the grave, was seen of above 500 people at once after that, ministered to his disciples, ascended to heaven, and will come again. Not myth, but comes from the Bible. To begin with, we must believe the Bible, of course. Otherwise, we have problem after problem. We must believe in God. We must believe in what God says. If we doubt what God says, we doubt God. If we doubt what Jesus taught us, we doubt him. We say we believe on him for our salvation. If he's an imposter, we're not saved. If he's the Savior of all mankind, to to them that will believe on him and accept him, he's for fulfillment of what he said he came to do. He said, I came not to do my will, but the will of my Father who sent me. He claimed he was sent from heaven. He was born of a virgin, Mary, fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. And that miraculous birth, Set him aside from the common run of man. So Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, the life. So everything depends upon our believing that. Doubt any of it, it'll all fall down. Second Timothy 3.16. I'll begin the verse 14. 2 Timothy 3.14. But continue thou, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, a young minister. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for correction. For instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The purpose of the scriptures, to enlighten us, instruct us, and make us wise unto salvation. Wise enough to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ whom God sent. Wise enough to confess our sins before God and before man, and believe on him, and then to believe that as God's promise says, his Holy Spirit has borne witness with our spirit that we are born of God. Not a myth, but a reality. An experience we have all, we have gone through. Those who are in Christ Jesus have had this experience. Yes, the Word of God is assailed by people now and always has been. This seems something new because it's now in the newspapers instead of something that it really is edifying as religion. It's news because the so-called clergyman said it. It's news when a clergyman backslides. When he runs off with someone else's wife and things like that. That's news. I'm not a journalist. I can't decipher what they should put in the newspapers. But I do know, I do know what comes from this book. Amen. And this book is not filled with myths. It is the eternal word of God spoken by God uh, dictated by God himself to the men who wrote these books of the Bible that it might be an enlightenment to us to ha- have us understand who God is, who his Son is, who we are, and what can be done about our condition. And that condition is we be- need to be made over, made anew in Christ Jesus. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The light that's come through Jesus Christ is not perceived to be the true light by all people. It can be if all people will open their heart to the revelation God would give them. But if we close our mind to it, have preconceived notions about who God is, who we are, what we ought to do about our condition, if we have those preconceived notions, we don't get the blessings God would give us. But if we'll open our heart to God, we can have a revelation to say there's not a myth in the Bible. It's God's Word, eternal Word. And not one jot or tittle will pass away till all be fulfilled. The Bible says that. And we believe it. Right? There's the problem. Light rejected. It's a problem for anyone who rejects it. For this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. There's no Sensible reason for people to reject God and, and Jesus Christ in the revelation of God unless one has something to hide, because Jesus is the light. Light exposes. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. But unless we walk in the light, we abide in darkness. And how great is that darkness, spiritual darkness, We see the sunrise in the morning, set in the afternoon in the evening, but the light of the world is Jesus, not just the sunlight emanating from the sun. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light. You don't go toward the light, you go from it if you're evil. If you're not in fellowship with God to know God's will and want to know more of God's will, the light will repel you. You'll go the other way. But if you have a love for the light and the love for God and for God's revelation, then you'll come closer and closer by learning more and more from this book and staking your very life and hope of eternal salvation upon the reality of it and upon the truth of every word therein. On the other side, he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. The true Christian has no reason to be ashamed of what he's doing he's been saved by the power of god through the merits of jesus christ shed blood he's been forgiven and a sanctified man is made holy within and without and he has nothing to hide he's an open book but but those who go around the corners hide this and hide that we call we have a common term for them hypocrites they claim they are but they're not and they of course are a, a moral blotch upon the whole christian testimony because people look at them and say they are the Christian, when in reality they're not. Just because one professes to be a Christian or because one was born in the Christian land does not make them a Christian. To be a Christian is to be Christ-like. That takes an act of God. It takes a revolutionary change in a human heart to make them anew. and if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new. So we're talking about something real and something provable and something that can last and will if we walk in that light. Jesus healed a man, blind man, and by healing that man he caused a great uproar. He performed a simple act of healing the man, but they were called into question, even his parents were, about how was this man healed and who healed him, all the details. And the parents afraid they might lose their place in the Jewish synagogue, wouldn't even answer. They said, he's of age, ask him. So they asked him, how do you happen to get your sight back? And who is this man? Who is he? All about the details he didn't know. I don't know about all the details, but one thing I know, once I was blind and now I see. He had merely done what the Lord said. He had merely washed in the pool of Siloam after the Lord had owned his eyes with clay, and he came seeing. Myth? No, a factual account of what happened when Jesus Christ was on earth. He healed a man that was blind from his birth and his parents said, that's true enough. So the man said, will you also be his disciple? Oh, think of that. He has a blindness healed, yet he now is a man that wants to embrace this man who healed him, embrace his doctrine, believe on him and follow him. Why wouldn't he? It was an imaginary thing. He literally had been blind, but now he's healed. Yes. yes? Another man was lame. Lame from his birth. He sat at the beautiful gate of the temple. James and John came one day. Peter and John came there to visit the temple and pray. And this man was there, lame. So what they say to him? They said, he asked an alms of them. But they said, we don't have any. Silver and gold have I none, Peter said. But such as we have, give we thee in the name of the Lord. And reached down, took hold of his hand, raised him up. And the man was healed and began to leap with joy. A miracle, an act of God, not a myth, another account of the fact that God has power on earth to forgive sins and to heal lame people and even heal blind people. God's power is not limited. Our faith, a lack of faith rather, gets in the way. God wants us to believe. Under salvation, under real victory, overcoming victory, joy in the Lord, not a drudgery, not a burden, but a joyous experience that one has because sin is gone and they're free. Or when they're sick, they're healed. What a great thing that is. Yes, this man was lame and he was healed. Began to leap with joy. What did they say? They said to him, Neither is there salvation. Acts four twelve says. Neither is there. Sal- he was, went ahead and explained that he was healed through that man through Jesus Christ's power. And then here's the 12th chapter says twelve verse says. Neither is there salvation in any other other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved, saved, forgiven, made new. Must be myth? No gospel really is. But we have to believe it all to believe any of it. Doubt one word, and you can't be sure what not to doubt. But believe it all, and you can say, I can't explain it. I don't understand some of the circumstances. But one thing I do know, this book is a miracle of miracles. God's preserved it for us down through these ages. When men have tried to destroy it, ban it, outlaw it, it has not been effective. No, God has preserved it, and we have it now, an open Bible. Hold in our hands, learn, discuss, review, memorize. It's a great thing. Yes, thank God. Jeremiah said, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. A substitute religion. Jeremiah said it. Paul said, I marvel that you're so soon removed from the gospel, which is not another. He says, to another gospel, which is not another. Then he says, though I or an angel from heaven bring any other gospel to you than that we've brought, let him be accursed. He was so sure of the fact that this gospel had been revealed to him in a miraculous way. Was his means of salvation now and his means of eternal salvation forever. Yes, Paul was sure and said, I'll stake my life upon it. And if I change my mind and water it down or change it or modify it to be some other gospel, which wouldn't be another, if it's changed at all, it isn't another, go- isn't a gospel. The good news has to all be good. There can't be any bad news mixed up in this. Must be good news. That's what the gospel means. So he says, if someone brings something else, let him be accursed. That's what Paul said. God wants us today to be sure where we stand. Amen. He wants to, us to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We will begin with believing God, in God. We must believe he is, and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, or we can't get an answer to prayer. If we pray, we must pray to God, the Father, and we must believe he is there, he hears us, and if he hears us, he answers our prayer. If he answers our prayer, the fact is is plain, he answered prayer. A miracle. Any prayer answered is beyond human reason. If this man who wrote this article, if he limits everything to the exercise and logic of a human mind, of course he can't get anywhere. The things of the Spirit are not carnally desired. Uh, discerned. Carnal means humanly, just naturally. Not spiritually, not miraculously, but just carnally. In the human mind, if we're framed in and bound in, just to be bound by the logic of the human mind, we have we're very very limited. We're talking about a spiritual discernment, a spiritual understanding, a spiritual dimension, one that goes beyond man's understanding. We can't prove it. Can't prove the spiritual things by scientific formulas. It isn't learned in a college. It is learned when God Himself reveals Himself to us, shows us a, as we, as we are a sinner. Sends a spirit to convict us of sin. We know it's wrong. We haven't done right. We have done wrong. We're willing then to humble ourselves and pray and ask for forgiveness of a holy God. He knows it all, sees it all anyway. So we humbly say we are sorry and forgive us. And God, for Christ's sake, His death on Calvary paid the penalty for our sins. Then we're saved. Anything less than that is not the real thing. God wants us to be sure. Not to be halfway. Not to be almost persuaded. Not to say, I will sometime, when I have a convenient time. But to say, now I must act upon what God says to me. And God speaks to people. God speaks to you. And you might not understand how to frame the words of how it happens. But you know, there's a God in heaven. And God talks to us in language to reprove us, rebuke us, uh, to instruct us, help us, guide us, all of that. Yes, it's there if we let God speak to us. But we must Open our hearts to it. We must say we will. Now, if we open the door to uh, these to disbelief, we never know where we'll stop. The perversion of this last day, day is so prevalent that people don't have any any concept of what's right and what's wrong because they throw away the Ten Commandments upon which is based the more, whole moral law, throw away the, the reality of what God has said, make it imaginary and set just to myth. There's no way, nothing, nothing to hold to. Nothing there the people uh, come into all kinds of lifestyles, so-called, that are immoral and degrading and should not be even named among polite company, but it's so prevalent this, this day that it's everywhere. Why? Because people and humanity has lost its moorings. They've just forgotten the gospel. The truth is they would not be given to immorality and indecency and improper conduct if they really had the light of the gospel and walked in it. But if they have not walked in the light of the gospel, that light has become darkness. Soon they begin to say that this evil is good. And then they call good evil. The fundamentalist, old-fashioned preachers, and even Christians are doing it wrong, they say. We're, we're narrow-minded, we're bigoted because we believe the Bible. Well, call it what you want to. What God's Word condemns, we must condemn. Improper, immoral conduct Homosexuality and lesbianism and stuff like that is wrong. Abortion is included. All of these things are a part of what God condemns. And we as Christians must say we, had, we haven't loosened our moorings. We know where we're anchored. We're anchored in the Word of God, and we stand for it because God's Word says it. Yes. Some are insulted when you say this. Some are insulted when you say you must be born again. Why? Because they haven't been born again yet. That's the only reason. Even a sinner, if he knows he ought to be born again, he isn't condemned in hearing it. He'll even say, I know you're right. I should do it, but I haven't yet. But the one who gets angry about it, wants to hear nothing, just condemns himself by his own actions. We want to open up our heart to God and say not just to believe whatever man says or be confused about other people, be buffeted about from pillar to post and from this way and that way. We don't want the winds of change and the winds of behavior and the morals of people or lack of it to influence us we want to stick to the Bible to the word of God and say if the word says it we believe it and we're not going to call it a myth we aren't going to be uh, bashful about saying we believe it from cover to cover we believe it to be the inspired word of God who is profitable for us it's the only guide we have from here to glory God's given us a full revelation in Jesus Christ in this Bible for us to know what to do now we must do it and if we don't the man that knows, has, knows what he should do and doesn't do it will be judged harshly. He'll be beaten with many stripes. He that no, doesn't know and fails will not be judged as harshly as one who did know. So we know, we've heard, we have an open Bible, an open book here to study. Let's ask God today to help us to believe God means what he says and says what he means, and we'll just stand for it. If we have that purpose, God will help us get on through. If that light that's in you become darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're sow having been cleansed, returned to the wallah, how filthy that is, or a dog to its vomit, and very unnice words, but nevertheless, it's in the Bible, it shows how it is. If people having the light go back on the God, go back on the promises of God, make themselves liars, they say, "I'll go through with God, I'll honor your word, I'll obey your word." I love you and honor you all the days of my life. Then they fail and go back. Don't tell me they just lost their fellowship. They've lost their contact with God because they've sinned against an angry God for lying and adultery and fornication and thievery and all that stuff will be condemned at the judgment. So we must confess it all before, God, before we get there, before God and He forgives and gives us power to walk on top of all of that and not be succumbed into it. God wants us to have victory and He'll give it. So just remember... You don't get your religious instruction from the church page of the Oregonian. Not last Saturday, not yesterday at least. You be sure you open the Bible and say no matter what someone says or doesn't say, if they've been published or haven't been published, if they're here or there, no matter what, be sure they speak according to the words of this book. Be sure you get your spiritual food from the right source, the truth. And this is the truth. This is not a myth. The Garden of Eden is not just a story. Even Jonah, the swallowed by whale, is not just a story. Jesus Christ mentioned that, even said, as it was in the day of Noah, referring to the flood, and also saying that some of the people repented at the preaching of Jonah. And lo, greater than Jonah is here. So, and as the Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be three days in the bowels of the earth. Referring to that, Jesus Christ Himself—not a myth, a reality. The Word of God. So get up in arms when people doubt the Word. You can't fight them fist fights, No, no. But in your own hearts, put up a defense. Don't let Satan make inroads into you or your family. Be sure you set a watch at the door of your heart that you be reinforced in the Word of God and know how to strengthen yourself in the Word of God and you'll have victory. It'll be victory for you. Amen. This is not the kind to shout about, but this is needful. We're in a in battle The forces of hell are real. And they try to make inroads into our schools, into our churches, into our homes, everywhere. But our purpose should be to pursue that spiritual light and to go the way God wants us to go. And if we have grace, and God will give grace, we'll furnish the grit, and we'll be able to make it. God is sure. We won't be tried in one point that we won't be able to bear. He'll make a way of escape that we might be able to bear it. You can't get around it, but God can take you through it. Praise God. Let's close now this blessing in number 412 and we'll pray that God will help us to be strong in the Lord and in the Word and believe His Word and not be buffeted about by winds of strange doctrines. Let's stand in singing 412.